Angeles. Hello, Major League Soccer. Hello, newcomers. And more importantly, hello to the millions and millions of Defenders of the Bank listeners. This is episode 237 of DOTB. I am the self-proclaimed green-haired gremlin today. Gremlin especially because of celebrating the life of my co-host yesterday. Gremlins don't like bright light, and every light right now beaming on my face is too bright. Anyway, my name is Christian Philly Philemon, and with me yesterday, with me today, with me tomorrow, and with me always, the newly aged and most recent newcomer to the fourth floor, the tyrant of threads, the king of nits, the sultan of shawls, the aristocrat of ascots, the mouth of the South Bay. Now in his 40s, I give you the birthday boy himself, J.R. Liebert. The scarf. What is good? Just so that we're clear, most of you will be hearing this tomorrow, so I will be 40. I've got about eight hours and five minutes left of my 30s, my friend. So I'm almost there. Uh, Real quick, before we talk about anything else, have to say a huge thank you to you, of course, to Panda and obviously to Nina, who put on an incredible birthday party yesterday. I appreciate you guys so much. And I appreciate so many of you out there, the LAFC family who, who showed up at the birthday party as well. I was completely shocked, floored, surprised, and and absolutely uh, there was all, all the all the emotions, all the feels. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who showed up. I would begin to name all of you, but then we would certainly go over an hour uh, on this podcast. And I just, it meant the absolute world to me. There were people from my, my college friends were there, my my park friends, my work friends, LA, I mean, LAFC people just all over the place. I love you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, Philly. I'll be joining you on the fourth floor after I uh, wake up in the morning. And uh, you've been waiting for this moment for what, three years now? Yep, but you won't be going. I mean, you'll be up by the time you officially turn 40 because you don't sleep. You're the yep. only person I know in my life that can function off no sleep and doesn't get hangovers. That's that's your X-Men superhuman power. It's <laughs> it's it. annoying to me. If I did what you did last night in terms of the amount of fun had, there's no way I would be able to do anything other than lie down on my back. You, you're fine. You actually like played a really great softball game today too. Like, dude, can I tell you? It's it's the first time we've ever played at eight fifteen in the morning, though. Out of all the times to have had the earliest game that we've, I've played on this team since I was nineteen years old. It's a group of guys that we've been playing together forever. With, I mean, going on twenty one seasons now, and. We've never played a game at 8.15, and I, I will say this, didn't love it. Didn't love taking the mound at 8.15, but other than that, it was a really fun day, a really fun weekend, and again, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Nothing but love. Now, I know we got a bunch of things to talk about, a bunch of shout-outs we have to give. Obviously, got to recognize the sponsor, talk about some charitable things, talk about the game, but I would be remiss. I, I've been meaning to do this for a long time. Before we start this pod, I have a very, very heartfelt apology to make to the residents of a certain Midwestern city in Wisconsin. Many podcasts ago, maybe four or five, uh, I was told that I pronounced the uh, name of said city incorrectly. I referred to Waukesha, Wisconsin, on a previous podcast of Defenders of the the Bank. Uh, And I apologize to those that I offended because we have a lot of listeners, apparently, in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I pronounced it Waukesha. My bad. 
Waukesha, Wisconsin, a lovely city about 16.5 miles away from Milwaukee with a population of 72,000. And the nice thing about Waukesha, Wisconsin, is they've given us all the likes of comedian Frank Caliendo, JJ and TJ Watt, the inventor of SpaghettiOs, and of course, Richard Sears of the legendary and now failed department store uh, chain um, Sears. Oh, and by the way, Les Paul, the actual Les Paul, not the guitar, the actual Les Paul himself, the man also born in Waukesha, Wisconsin. So again, heartfelt apology to all of you out there in Waukesha. Nothing but love. I would have absolutely pronounced it the way you did the first time, Waukesha. I had no idea how that how, how that was pronounced. So for all of you in Waukesha, I don't know what Philly did to you, but he's sorry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Got to give a shout out once again to our buddy Laverty because he was the one that corrected me on the on the pronunciation. So Waukesha, Waukesha Wisconsin. Now I will never forget that ever again. And, and I don't think any of us will. That was uh, that was pretty good. Uh, yeah, we do want to make sure we recognize the official sponsor of Defenders of the Bank Flex and Flex Power Tools. FlexPowerTools.com. Head on over to Flex for all of your power tooling needs. Uh, look, they have the best stuff. They have amazing guarantees. They have the best equipment. Check out check out Flex, you guys. Come on. Uh, you guys have heard us talk about it now for, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 episodes. FlexPowerTools.com, the official sponsor of Defenders of the Bank. And, of course, the front of kit sponsor for your 2022 MLS Cup champion and Supporter Shield winning Los Angeles Football Club. Uh, yeah, and, and again, you guys, um, this is always a little bit hard for me, but... Tomorrow is my birthday, as we have talked about uh, several times, but it also represents the anniversary of the passing of Mauricio Fascio. Mo Fascio uh, passed on my birthday now a couple of years ago, and uh, it is, it's always something I wake up and think about and remember now uh, since it happened. And again, please, 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 if you are listening and you have not yet gone to lafc.com backslash Mo hyphen Fascio to donate to the Mo Fascio uh, Futsal uh, Court Fund, please do. There's an incredible foundation that's been set up just so that we can get this fund or this field uh, funded, paid for, built in Mo's honor. And look, it's it's hard for me to talk about because obviously it's it's a really special day for me because it's my birthday. But Mo is the first person that now I wake up and think about on my birthday. So tomorrow is the anniversary of his passing. So please, 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 if you can. Head on over to lafc.com backslash mo hyphen Fascio to donate, and uh, we would be grateful. And obviously, the Fascio family and the Futsal Court uh, Foundation would be incredibly grateful as well. So please, please do that. Oh, all right, Philly. Uh, let, let's get on to uh, we, you mentioned. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, we do want to remind everybody if you're not already following us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Defenders of the Bank and on Twitter at Defend the Bank, please. Give us a little bit of love there. We are posting a ton of content this year on YouTube as well. And it's it's going pretty well for us. Yeah, Philly? Yeah, we're certainly growing on YouTube. Obviously, we'd love to, if a few more of you jumped forward from Instagram or Twitter and, and, and hit the subscribe on the YouTube. But hey, you know what? Slowly but surely, obviously a lot of content going out there. Um, and we're going to continue to put stuff on YouTube. A, a lot of what we're going to do is our podcast, the visual one. That'll be on YouTube. Anything press conference related, whether it be pregame or postgame with LAFC, we're going to post there as well. So keep an eye out on things. I know we've said that one more sleep episodes are going to go there, depending on the arrangements and where each of us are at that said time. They may go on YouTube. They may stay on Instagram lives. 
But either way, what we really want to do is, is build up that channel. And congr- and thank you to everybody who's who's helped us out so far. I mean, we've went from like zero to almost 600 subscribers relatively quickly. And obviously, we would love to uh, continue to grow and develop that. Now, Scarf, you mentioned uh, the, the at Defend the Bank on Twitter. Doesn't... Doesn't somebody else have the at Defenders of the Bank Twitter handle? I, I haven't heard from them since the first time we came about. You know anything about that? No, that there, there's too many letters in Defenders of the Bank for Twitter. So we went to at Defend the Bank. Okay. Well, I yep. mean, either way, I wasn't going to go out there and, and say that we were going to purchase anybody's Twitter handle like some people we know. But that's, oh, that's, that's besides the point. Oh, boy. All right. Look, Philly, uh, I, I think we, we haven't had this now for a couple of episodes But I think this clearly counts as 2023 season, our first, wait, what What? moment of the season? Our news and notes segment has to be led off with, (laughs) I guess, former friend of the podcast, uh, former employee of one Los Angeles football club, in in a in an incredibly high capacity, your your friend and mine, Will Kuntz, not just jumping ship, but jumping ship to Carson. Well, let's put it this way: we're not going to stop being friends with Will for that reason. Not at He's all. still going to be a friend of the pod, but sure. obviously, you said it right: no longer an LAFC employee, but we knew something like this was coming. I mean, January 25th, I believe it was reported that he, that he was going to be leaving and we were just waiting on to, uh, as to where he was going. Obviously when you sign and work for a front office or major club, this isn't anything that, you know, you get on indeed.com or monster.com. I don't even know if monster.com still exists, but it's not (laughs) something that you're applying for on the internet and, and going through that process. Obviously this is something that's been, been going on, for a while. Funny enough, he's still on the LAFC uh, roster staff, uh, technical staff there. So he's obviously going to have to get removed. But, you know, if you look at it, jumping ship and going to our biggest rival, I mean, that's that, that that's crazy to me. It, it's a business at the end of the day. But you could kind of argue, though, that Will kind of had some kind of history with this stuff. And what I mean by that is while he was in college, he realized he went to Williams College. Um, he realized that the owner of the New York Yankees, George Steinbrenner also happened to go to Williams college. So he wrote him a letter and lo and behold, obviously will makes his way to that organization. But the funny part is, is he's a hardcore Mets fan and that's exactly why we liked him. So got to say that, Hey, jumping from one rivalry to another is within his, within his, you know, his MO. I mean, I'm just kidding. I was just trying to find ways to tie it. I was looking. <laughs> Williams' biggest rival is Amherst. It's not like he did that. It's not like he went from the Yankees to the Red Sox. But to go from LEFC to the Galaxy, and he had mentioned, uh, I mean, you, it has to be a major money move for him to do that. Obviously, he loves Los Angeles. He's not going anywhere. But, you know, the, I would say the Galaxy, kind of a, I don't want to say it was a desperate attempt because they hired a very highly skilled and and qualified member. I mean, he's going to do a lot of tremendous things in that front office. But, you know, what another reactive move by the L.A. Galaxy to go out there and swipe a big part of 
our history and, and one of the most important execs that we've had for our club just so they can go out there and, and turn things around. Maybe the writing is now on the wall in those two, 300 supporters in front of Dignity Health Sports Park, Spark with their decline since whatever and their client out stuff. Maybe they'll get what they want eventually with the addition of Will Kuntz. Look, let's be clear, too. I mentioned he was a former employee of LAFC. He was senior vice president of soccer operations and the assistant general manager. He kind of had a lot to do with what was going on in the front office. And obviously, look, we love Will Koontz. He's a he's a good friend of ours. Also, by the way, he was on the 2002 National Championship Williams College basketball Mm -hmm. team, which is uh, which is kind of fun. He's a tall guy. So that makes sense. Uh, Look, I said it in a tweet that we posted uh, when we found out the news. I think he's absolutely uh, going to replace Chris Klein once they decide that this whole protest and everything else uh, needs to go away and the Galaxy look to replace some uh, Chris Klein. I think they're going to do it with Will Koontz. By the way, I don't know if the protests are working. They did have 23,000 at yep. the match yep. against Vancouver, a team that, I don't know, you don't really circle the date against Vancouver on your schedule, unless you're one of the other Canadian teams out there. So this is still 23,000, not a bad crowd, not a sellout by any means, but it seems like the, the protest, I don't know. You mentioned it two, 300, right? Like that's that's what I heard two to 300 and dignity holds 27,000. So you did see a lot of empty seats in there, but I mean, that's a clear, you said it, the Vancouver game, nobody would have circled that. At the end of the day, it still was their home. Hope you would have expected fairly crowd but obviously the protests are falling upon deaf ears and if you go through twitter there's plenty of bashing of the supporters groups and how people are calling them losers and all that other stuff uh the the front office obviously doesn't respect the supporters and clearly a lot of the fans don't either but you know i do applaud their efforts and obviously they do have the right to assembly but it's obviously fallen largely uh, it's fallen largely upon deaf ears Yeah, look, uh, this isn't a Galaxy podcast, right? And we're going to be talking about them a little bit later on in the show when we talk about our schedule coming up. But Will Koontz. All right, buddy. One last point about the Galaxy game the other day. Tristan Blackman scored against them. Yeah, 14th minute goal, Tristan Blackman. Uh, Unfortunately, Vancouver couldn't hold the lead. It was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Winds up being a 1-1 draw. But uh, yeah, man, I just didn't. I definitely didn't see that particular move. From Will Coons coming. I uh, want to do a quick little segment that I'm calling checking in on Chicho. Uh, seven matches into his Pachuca chapter, he finally earned his first start, playing the first 63 minutes in their 1 1 draw versus Motagua in the CONCACAF Champions League. Unfortunately, that result was not enough to keep Pachuca in the Champions League as Motagua moves on. Aside from two appearances in the CONCACAF Champions League, Chicho has played just 139 minutes in five league matches thus far, including the final 15 minutes in their March 19th 2-0 win versus Pumas. It definitely has been a little bit of slow going here for Chicho. Uh, He had an assist in the very first game in like seven, eight minutes into into his shift. And then that was the last, unfortunately, that he has made it onto the scoring line. Uh, he did pick up a yellow card, uh, but that was about it uh, other than that one assist. So it has been a little bit of bumpy sailing for Chicho Arango down in Pachuca. We're going to periodically check in on Chicho over the course of this season because obviously he's a guy who means a whole lot to us here on this podcast. Philly, 
You also had some news about Danil Maldonado as well. Yeah, real quick, the last thing about Chicho, just the Motagua thing, and nice segue because uh, Daniel did play for Motagua. Yep. But um, it, I, I think it bodes well that the guy that subbed in for him, and I might be wrong, somebody feel free to correct me on this, but I think the guy that subbed in for him actually scored the goal for Pachuca. Yes. So, I mean, correct. that kind of hurts. You come yep. off and then your replacement actually goes out there and scores uh, instead of you. So, love to see more minutes out of out of Chicho but we're not going to see any more minutes out of him in CONCACAF Champions League so the idea of us playing against him in the final that dream is now dead yeah as far as Daniel Maldonado is concerned so there are several players from across the major across major league soccer that are going to going on their their international deployments normally LAFC would field anywhere from 5 to 6 players on a regular basis this time around though we're only sending one player away on international duty and that would be Daniel Maldonado, he will be representing Honduras. So no Kellen Acosta going anywhere. No Aaron Long. Obviously, Maxime Crepeau is not going anywhere. No Cheeky, no Cifuentes. So at least they'll have these guys there. And Daniel Maldonado, while he has uh, played a little bit for LAFC, certainly hasn't had a big impact so far this season. But as a member of our own, we wish him all the best on international duty. And hopefully he can come out there with uh, some more confidence, some extra training, and more importantly, no injuries. Do we know, by the way, Philly, is he going to be in the Honduras squad that plays at BMO on the 22nd? What is that, like Wednesday? I would, be- I would believe he is. Whether or not he features in the starting lineup or on the, uh, in the 18, we have yet to see. But yes, good point. I mean, the Honduras will be playing in BMO Stadium this week. Yeah, that could Didn't be kind we of go fun. to that fixture a couple of years ago? We went to we saw El Salvador because it was Josh Perez right playing for El Salvador. I'm, I'm sure we saw El Salvador, but I think it was like El Salvador, Guatemala. Uh, I don't think it was Honduras. I know we also saw Chile there because we went with our good buddy Ra. Yeah, 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 yeah. We saw Chile. Yeah, we look. Th- by the way, great, great point. Um, you guys, if you're not checking out these international fixtures that are at BMO, they're really fun. We had a great time. Uh, we met up with Julio. Uh, El Chivamayor, uh, he was out there. It was a great time, man. These these international get look. It's not easy to make it on a Wednesday night, right? But it, it's it's definitely a fun atmosphere. It's really cool to see uh, these international matches at BMO. So who knows, Philly? Maybe maybe you and I'll make our way over there on Wednesday. I don't know what we're doing. Um, yeah, I mean it's that, open. That being said, uh, we we don't have anything for the Angel City minute, but we've got uh, a little bit of an update, right, on LAFC two. Philly, their first match coming up next Sunday, one week from today. Yep, at Titan Stadium on the campus of Cal State Fullerton. Uh, they're playing North Texas SC, basically an extension of Dallas. And so that'll be the first time we get to watch our players. I don't even really know who's on the team because the news, and a lot of the news in MLS Next Pro hasn't been very forthcoming. We've really had to dig for a lot of things. Even coming up with the schedule for LAFC2 is somewhat of a cumbersome thing because you have to go over all the league fixtures. But they are kicking things off on March the 26th. There will be some nominal fee uh, to get into Titan Stadium. I really don't know what, but we'll figure this out. It also happens, that home opener also happens to fall on the home opener for Angel City FC. So we're, uh, we'll are we see what we can do in terms of yeah. maybe making it out to both or how we split time. But each team within MLS Next Pro, they're going to get 14 games at home, 14 games on the road for a grand total of 28 games. So you're going to have plenty of opportunity to go out there and see LAFC too. And you'll be seeing us at Titan Stadium. So we'll be making the trek from Burbank and Lawndale down to Orange County on the 
beautiful campus of Cal State Fullerton. So put that in your calendar, March 26th, LAFC2, and I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to catch their games as well on uh, Apple TV. Yeah, Christopher Jaime, the first signing in LAFC2 history, MLS Next Pro. Uh, Also, of course, Coach Enrique Duran, who was a large part of the academy and everything that we were doing there. Uh, Do want to remind everybody, or at least let everybody know, 16 of the 28 matches that LAFC2 will be playing are on a Sunday. So that's kind of neat. 16 of the 28 matches, including nine of the 14 at home at Cal State Fullerton. So look, it's hard to make it down there on maybe a Thursday or a Wednesday or a Friday night, but Sundays, hey, Sundays are Sundays are for, are for football. So nine of the 14 home matches will be on Sunday. So that's hopefully we can make it out to, or hopefully y'all can make it out to as many matches as you possibly can. Uh, that's it for the news and notes section. This day in LSU history, not a whole lot going on there. So Philly, a riveting, fast-paced, high-intensity affair in Seattle. Our fourth match in 10 days, our fifth match in 15 days. But wait, we're going to do that again very shortly. It was everything that we thought it would be from our side of things. A little surprising on Seattle's side of things. But I think what really got us going, Philly, is you and I, we were staring at those kits over on Seattle's side. (laughs) <laughs> the best addition that the Seattle Sounders have made, with, of course, the exception of Bear, who, fortunately for us, did not feature for the Sounders. That Bruce Lee kit is fantastic. Although, seeing the likes of Albert Rusnak running around Lumen Field, I'm getting hints of RSL in my <laughs> mindset, just based on the color of it. But And we, we, we saw some self-defense martial arts at some point in the game. We're going to talk about that. But those kits... Absolutely phenomenal. As a kit collector, I would absolutely love to have that piece in my collection. But since they are the Seattle Sounders, and I love LAFC, I don't want to go near anything that says Seattle Sounders on it. Although, if I'll ever be tempted to do anything, if they create a Nirvana kit, I might just darn well lose my mind <laughs> and, and just say, to heck with it. Um, but I do love the Bruce Lee kit, man. It's it's beautiful. Our kit, Smokescreen, looks good too. But I'll tell you, on that Weird-looking turf at Lumen Field. It would depend on the resolution of the screen you were watching it on, but it's kind of hard to see our players uh, on 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 that turf. Maybe that was the idea all along, right? From LAFC, like, oh, they they literally won't see us coming now because we blend in with the turf. I don't know. Look, Lumen has been a house of horrors for LAFC. We have not won in our last six matches there. Four losses, two draws. Of course, look, everything started out great for LAFC. Our first ever match in club history, a one nothing win there. But we haven't won since. Now, I, I know we also haven't lost in a while there. And, and spoiler alert, we didn't lose this one either. But not an easy place for us to play. And a place where, look, I know you guys want to win. We all want to win every single match that we play. But sometimes, especially... Sometimes when you've played five matches in 15 days, four matches in 10 days, you're dealing with a little bit of the injury bug. You definitely have tired legs, heavy legs. I would say that this is one of those times, Philly, where this was a great point to take away from this road game. 
I completely agree. I am by no means upset with the performance or or what happened. I, I'm I'm happy with a lot of things. Uh, and you're right. I mean, we we haven't had much success in Looming Field, but when you have to go back to our series rivalry, uh, we also haven't lost to Seattle since I believe it was uh, May 16th of 2021. We lost two to nothing, uh, two to nil in that match. Last time you were in Lumen Field, which was last season, the last time LAFC was there, they yep. drew. I remember that day very vividly. So they've been somewhat successful against the Seattle Sounders as of late. And after this, um, after this tie, they, LAFC actually has a positive record against the Seattle Sounders historically, which which is kind of a cool thing. But the um, these guys are these guys are good, man. I mean, if you look at their history and their track record of success, they won an MLS Cup in 2016 and 2019. With the exception of last season, where they didn't make the MLS playoffs, the uh, the worst thing that they did was win the CONCACAF Champions League, first major right. league soccer team to do so. Right. Coming into this season, a good portion of the MLS analysts and experts predict that they're going to win the Western Conference. Uh, and several of them think they're going to either finish second or third. So this was a really good Seattle Sounders team that we were going in a Lumen Field to face. And look, I, you can make the argument that Seattle Sounders have the top two, three, or four player at their position in almost every single spot out there on the pitch. I think maybe with the exception of Alex Roldan, who has definitely come on as of late. I don't think Albert Rusnak is there. I don't think Jackson Reagan is there. But the other seven field players, for Seattle are as good as it gets. I mean, these are names that, first of all, to be able to keep this group together as long as they have, uh, just a a really cool thing that Seattle's been able to do. I've said this time and time again, uh, all due respect to the since 96ers out there. To me, Seattle is the club by which we should be striving to achieve like in Major League Soccer. They have won the Open Cup, I believe, three times. They are a two-time MLS Cup champion side, and the worst they had ever finished in the Western Conference before last year's 11th place finish. The worst they had ever finished was fourth. So this is a club that is always in the playoffs. This is a club that seems to have that next man up philosophy down very, very well. They got a lot of young kids ready to go but a, a club that is as as well run as any in Major League Soccer. Uh, the other thing I, I also didn't know, Philly, uh, the the pitch has a name. Uh, did not know that, uh, but it's EQC Pitch at Lumen Field, Emerald Queen Casino Pitch huh. at Lumen Field. The Puyallup Tribe of Indians, Emerald Queen Casino. Uh, has partnered with Lumen Field and the Seattle Sounders so that during the uh, during their soccer matches, it's EQC pitch at Lumen Field. Did not know that before uh, I, I saw the graphic online. I mean, I just learned something today, and that's the beautiful thing about this podcast, folks, is sometimes we learn things from each other. I learned about Lumen Field. Scarf learned about Waukesha, Wisconsin, and all of y'all learned Waukesha. About- Wait, Waukesha. You're going to get them all pissed off at you again. Well, see, this was my way of testing you to see if you were paying attention. I just don't want you to get yelled at by all the good citizens of Waukesha. 
<laughs> You're right, Waukesha. I mean, what a what what a fan what a fantastic podcast we have. We're in, entertaining <laughs> you, we're informing you, we're educating you. As I've said time and time again, if you want X's and O's and us to break down plays in a very scientific matter, this is not the podcast for you. But if you're looking for information, inside information, if you're looking to be informed, if you're looking to be entertained, we are your Monday morning zoo radio show. So thank you for joining us, by the way. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yeah, look, let's get into the lineups. I think we're we're good to go. Let's go with Seattle first. And again, like I said, this is a club that has top three or four player at every position almost out there on the pitch. I don't know that I would put goalkeeper Stefan Fry in the top three or four, but you know what? He always plays very well for us when we need him to at times. So Stefan mm-hmm. Fry. Nuhu, Jackson, Reagan, Yamar, Gomez, Andrade, and Alex Roldan on the back line. It's Albert Rusnak and Joao Paulo in the midfield. And, I mean, as good of a front four in Major League Soccer as you will see, Jordan Morris, Nico Lodiero, Christian Roldan, and Raul Rui Diaz. That is a solid, mm-hmm. solid Seattle squad. And, by the way, a pretty well-rested Seattle squad, a pretty healthy Seattle squad. I, I know they've. Uh, this was Raul Ruiz Diaz's first start of the season, but it looks like they're kind of firing on all cylinders now with Ruiz Diaz back in the lineup. So I, I was expecting a lot from this Seattle side. Uh, Philly, how about black and gold? A, a few changes, obviously, in the lineup needing to rotate the roster, and we knew going into this, no Ryan Hollingshead. You mean smoke screen green, baby, because that's what we wore on the turf of Lumen Field. What'd you say? It was ECQ? EQC, Emerald Queen Casino. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's the dyslexia. <laughs> EQC? Yeah. All right, got it. Okay, so as far as the smoke screen green team of LAFC, John McCarthy in between the pipes. You had Sergey Palencia, uh, Jesus Davar Murillo, Aaron Long, no surprise there, and Chiqui Palacios, who's played an awful, awful lot. Ilya Sanchez, Kellen Acosta, and uh, Timothy Tillman getting the start in the midfield. Up top, we got Vela, we got Denny Bowanga, and we got Mahala Opoku. Now, looking at the 18, one name that was omitted for good reason. We anticipated that, and the fact that turf is there, we didn't see any Giorgio Chiellini on there. Uh, as far as the rest of the subs are concerned, uh, we obviously Eldon was back in back in uh, John McCarthy. We had um, Daniel Maldonado. It's funny. I wrote Daniil and for a second. I was going to say uh, Daniil Henry. It's <laughs> funny. Stipe Buke, uh, Eric Duenas, who got himself some minutes, baby. I love to see that. Jose Cifuentes, Christian Torres, Nathan Ordaz. And uh, yeah, there you go. Wait, did I miss Julian Gaines? You did not say Julian Gaines. I was going to say, I got to make sure you include Julian Gaines. We don't know how, how often he's going to make the 18th. I mean, so. Julian Gaines, baby. That pelvis is fully operational and fully functional. Yeah, Julian Gaines. <laughs> Look, you know. Where's my number, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, you know that it's a rough match when in the first half, the only things on the match summary are yellow cards. That was it. We got a yellow in the 35th for Joao Paulo. A yellow in the 43rd for Aaron Long. A yellow in the 43rd for Nuhu. A yellow in the 44th for Jesus David Maria. A yellow in the 45th for Albert Rusnak. It was a rough first half. And, and really, I mean, Stefan Fry tried to spill one in the seventh minute, but they knocked it out for a corner, which they easily controlled. Roll Rui Diaz tried a bicycle kick. That was fun, but it's it went right. Kick more 
Scott. Yeah, Marvin right. Was, he, he left his feet either way. And then I think Philly, the only time there was any uh, action was in that 42nd minute, which was followed by a lot of yellow cards. Maybe, maybe Aaron Long shouldn't have taken a stab at that ball as Stefan Fry was holding it. But really, that that's it. That was I don't know. What, what what do you got to add in that first half that was kind of a snooze fest? I mean, I like where you're going with this because obviously we talk an awful lot, the two of us. I mean, blabbermouth. So obviously we don't want to keep everybody for an hour and 47 minutes again. And by the way, if you stuck through us, stuck stuck it through with us on that last podcast, we certainly appreciate the heck out of you. Two games is tough to cover. But anyway, in that six minutes, Scar, Danny Buongo definitely was threatening the back line of Seattle. You got to give credit to the fact that he absolutely sliced and diced his way past Joel Paulo in the box. He got himself a good look on Fry, but knew who was there to break it up. And it would have been a completely different play had Stefan maybe gotten a hand on it and had the, the ball bounce off of his gloves. Because you had Carlos Vale around there. You had several LAFC players around there. So, you know, I, w- I want to bring that moment into, uh, into, uh, into the light. And then uh, we did have a scary moment within the 23rd minute. Alex Roldan absolutely got that nice cross in the box. Rui Diaz missed it right? Palencia was there. He tried to clean up the mess that was left and the ball goes way off of Palencia up top. And then Albert Rusnak. And I'll and I, this is where I'm thinking shades of RSL on this. He, he, he got it. He stretched John McCarthy, John McCarthy looked to make the play, but we were lucky enough that it hit the right part of the, uh, of the post. So that right there was probably the most dangerous moment for them at that point. But we saw, Multiple yellow cards. Yellow cards were the storyline within the course of this entire game. Eight overall. And I don't know what the record was, but between the little tussle between Long and Nuhu and and, and both teams, and then shortly thereafter, I think it was... Um, uh, Albert Rusnak. Yeah, yeah. Was it Rusnak or was it Joe yeah. Apollo? No, Either Albert Rusnak in the 45th. Oh, well, I'm thinking 35th minute, actually. Like right after, right after all... Well, maybe I, I forget, but either way, there was a ton of yellow cards in there. Yeah, you're right. It was who you mentioned. How many yellow cards consecutively within a short period of time? Maybe we set some kind of record, top three, top four. But yeah, that was really the first half. Yeah, lots of yellow. Hey, look, second half started out the same way the first half did. A 48-minute yellow card for Timothy Tillman for a late foul and the 56-minute yellow card on Alex Roldan. Uh, I thought, you know, Seattle maybe had the better of the opportunities there in the first half. I thought for sure they had another good one in the 52nd minute. Jordan Morris with a very soft touch to Nico Lodiero, and he tried to cross it in for Rui Diaz. I don't know how Rui Diaz didn't get to this ball, but it was good defending by Aaron Long. And and really, 63rd minute, I was shocked, absolutely shocked that Joao Paulo and Raul Rui Diaz come off for Leo Chu and Obed Vargas uh, dodging a bullet. I think those are their two best players. Uh, Joao Paulo, as good of a number six as there is in the league. He's an incredible midfielder. And look, anytime that Raul Ruiz Diaz is on the pitch, uh, the guy is just a great scorer. He is a great scorer in this league. So uh, getting those two guys off the pitch, all due respect to Obed Vargas and Leo Chu. I think Obed Vargas is like, what, 17 years old? Kid is super young. But to not have those two guys on the pitch, Philly, uh, I was pretty stoked. And then in the 66th minute, LAFC brings on a couple of their own. 
you're not wrong about that. The Peruvian Pistolier, obviously, uh, you know, a, a, a thorn in our side. But it's going to be such a long season. You think that maybe Brian Schmetzer is going to just say, hey, you know what? I want to be a little more defensive on this uh, and save these guys. Because Rui Diaz is susceptible to getting hurt. Everybody who's coming out, susceptible to getting hurt. But the subs, that made the difference for us. I mean, we have Shti- uh, we have Stipe coming in. Uh, and we have Jose Cifuentes coming in, replacing him, surprisingly enough. Uh, Carlos, Carlos Vela, who... I'd like I'd like to go back to the tape. I, I re- witnessed him doing a couple of things in the beginning of the game. Didn't recall hearing his name much, but right. then again, you and I were hanging out at Beer Garden with our good friends from TSG, uh, another beloved of the Tigers. Um, so I don't know if I was paying attention enough in that case. But you know, we have these guys subbing in. Uh, we have Tillman coming in, uh, and I mean, Till- Tillman coming out. I'm sorry, Stipe and and Sifu. Those are some pretty good subs. And while some people will argue that maybe we're not really that deep, I would say that's pretty deep if you're going into your bench or bringing these two guys in because, well, Stipe, anytime he's graced our lineup, regardless of whether he started or come in late, he's had an impact. He's threatening. And obviously, Jose Cifuentes, one of the better, if not best, midfielders in Major League Soccer who has aspirations of going and playing in Europe, coming in, that gives us hope. That gives us the uh, the concept of maybe we're going to go out there and walk away with three points. But they subbed into the lineup at uh, at that moment that you referenced. Yeah, and look, I don't think we're necessarily deep as in like 22, 23 guys down the roster. But I think what we've seen very early on from Steve Trundolo with guys like Sergey Palencia, Timothy Tillman, Stipe Buke, those are the first guys up that we're seeing come off the bench. Uh, for LAFC, obviously, Daniel Maldonado, no Giorgio Chiellini, uh, an option, not an option today. But between Chiellini and Daniel Maldonado on the back line, I still, I'll say it again, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I don't know who our like for like sub is for somebody like Chiqui Palacios. I don't know who our like for like sub is for a guy like Ilya Sanchez. Um, and, and obviously, I think you need to have one of or both of Danny Bawanga and Carlos Vela out there on the pitch at all times. But I think we are deep enough right now. Unfortunately, look, we, we saw a little something in the 82nd minute. We, we don't know exactly what happened with Kellen Acosta. He was kind of reaching for his hamstring a little bit, but got up and seemed to be relatively okay as he came off the pitch. But in the 82nd minute, you mentioned it. We love to see him get some more minutes. Eric Duenas comes into the match for Kellen Acosta at midfield. I I do find it interesting, Philly. I do find it interesting that we know with Timothy Tillman uh, and now apparently Eric Duenas being the next man up on the midfield, what's going on with Daniel Chrysostomo? I thought he might get a few more minutes than he has at least at this point in the season when we're trying to rotate guys. Maybe the young guy, Eric Duenas, who is, uh, is passing – Daniel Chrysostomo on the depth chart. I mean, we haven't seen Chrysostomo in a while. I mean, no, hold on. Let me let me backtrack. We haven't seen Duenas in a long time. I mean, he's he's been dealing with ankle injuries for for quite some time. When him and Christian Torres and Tony Leone signed up with the big club, we we got to see a little bit of Eric Duenas. But battling through injury is obviously tough. And going for it through the entire period that he was at such a young age. Obviously very concerning, but, you know, that's a testament to his his hard work and his motivation and his efforts. So, I mean, he featured, albeit for like 15 seconds in the CONCACAF Champions League, replacing Denny Buanga. It was still nice to see him get run, but this tells me that he's obviously earned the respect 
of Steve Chirondolo, Ante Razov, uh, Mark Dos Santos, and the rest of the coaching staff. He came in in a fairly crucial part of the game against Alajulense. That game was already done. Nail was in the coffin. There was nothing that he would have done. No impact, obviously, other than a congrats. You, you've done well. A nice pat on the back. But he's coming in with a good eight or so minutes left in regulation where he actually could go in and make an impact for a player that has had an impact on our team so far. So another beloved and a big shout out to Eric Duenas. As far as Chrysostomo is, Chrysostomo is concerned, I mean, I hadn't seen him in the 18 in a little while. You're seeing a lot of these young guys, a lot of these academy players that have been consistently within our 18 and the likes of obviously Duenas or Daz, Christian Torres. We're seeing a lot more of them. So when we signed Chrysostomo, it wasn't really a, a – um, it was a depth piece signing, and he's been part of this team. But, yeah, we have yet to see him feature and kind of wonder why. Yeah, and, you know, Eric Duenas did finish out the season strong last year with the Las Vegas Lights. He played in their last 10 matches, uh, got one start uh, in those 10 matches. So, you know, got 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 decent enough run at the end of the season so the LAFC could kind of see what they had with him. Uh, it's, it's still crazy to think, man, this kid was 15 years yeah. old yeah. when he signed that first contract. He's still... Only 18 years old right now. I mean, he is a young, young kid who, I mean, if they, if the chef over at the training center could just k- fix this kid an extra cheeseburger every now and then, he is, uh, he, he's, he's filling he, out. He, he doesn't have any body fat on him. I can tell you that right now. He is, uh, he is one of my left, he's, he's my left leg, I think, at this <laughs> point. But uh, look, uh, I do want to see more from Eric Duane. Sure. Uh, 82nd minute for him to get some run to see out the match in, Look, this was this, these were pivotal moments. This was a Kellen Acosta having to come off. You know, we'll see if it was a hamstring. Uh, he did oh, appear to be to kind of be grabbing at the back of his hamstring a little bit there before he came off. But we'll see. We don't know. But if if we need to, Eric Duenas, I guess, is the next man up over Danny Chrysostomo. And then I thought, to be perfectly honest, after that sub, and I'm not saying it had anything to do with with Eric Duenas. But LAFC really had the better run of it, Philly, for the last 10, 12, 15 minutes of the match. What do you think? You know, I completely agree. I mean, there were a couple of plays in which uh, Seattle was threatening. 75th minute off of a set piece. We had a ball that bounced off long right directly to in front of another Sounder player. Xavier Ariaga desperately tried to muscle it past McCarthy, but Aaron Long was there making a really good play. He's uh, starting to gel really nicely with Jesus David Murillo in that back line, and we're going to need that in this partnership. 80th minute, Seattle did have a really good buildup stemming from the midfield as Rusnak advances the ball over to Freddie Montero, gets it to, to Leo Chu, who you referenced him coming in for, well, they're more dynamic and dynamite players. Tries to connect, but Kellen Acosta made that great defensive play. So if we're people are wondering where Kellen Acosta was all game, he certainly was there. Well, and uh, and by the way, it looked like the way that Acosta kicked that ball away, it, he had his leg up pretty high. Look, for, yeah. for you and I, that's a torn hamstring right <laughs> off the bone, and we're being carried off the pitch. For Kellen Acosta, he actually stretches before he does things, which is incredible. I should try that. Uh, that may be not anything to do with maybe running or trying to start and stop and change directions. It might've been on that play where he kicked it away. Although again, I thought I saw him get up and move around pretty well after that. Not sure. Maybe he just felt a little bit of a twinge. So, so we'll see, but man, from there on out, we had a Denny Bawanga free kick in the 87th minute that went uh, just a bit outside Uh, Mm -hmm. later on in the 87th minute. Mahalas guys won well over the bar and man in the 89th minute that cross 
into the box. It was low from Denny to Mahala. And, oh, Mahala just couldn't get on the other end of it. I thought we were going to steal one right there. But then the same thing for the next ball in the 90th minute. We had two very, very, very close chances yeah. during regulation. But Philly, Stephen Fry remembered for at least a minute that he plays for the Seattle Sounders in the 92nd. Yeah, the, the magic in the connection between, I would say, Stipe, Denny, and, and Mahala is very, is very obvious. Um, you said it right. Mahala showing showing signs of Christian Ramirez and Brian Rodriguez having one of the best opportunities up to that point. But yet again, it was Denny who made a very fantastic pass to Opoku, and the accuracy was there. But Stephen Fry, an awesome kick save, and he absolutely – that would have been a silencer for the yep. Sounders had Opoku done – what he could have done, but great passing between him and Denny. Uh, it's just unfortunate that it didn't find the back of the net at that point. And for all the times that we joke about how Stefan Fry is more of an LAFC player because we always seem to have a bit of success for him, I would say his teammates certainly owe him a beer because him denying Mahal is what kept his team, uh, what's kept his team from not having, uh, from obtaining. I can't speak today. That's what kept his team from not uh, walking away. From a home match without any points. Jeez, why was that so tough? Dr. Pepper, excuse me. You did it. Uh, look, I, I'm actually surprised. I do want to say something that surprised me as well. Look, spoiler alert. We see it out. Zero, zero, nil, nil. It, it is what it is. I'm surprised we only went three deep in terms of substitutions. Uh, Jose Cifuentes and Stipe Buke coming on in the 66th. And I, I think only for maybe injury precautionary reasons is why we saw Eric Duenas I thought for sure we would use all five subs in this match, but I do think that it shows you Steve's commitment to trying to get out of there, not just with a point, but we almost stole three there at the end. That would have been an absolutely massive three points if we get Huge. it. But we stole, you know, we stole a point. Uh, again, a little surprised that we didn't see more substituting going on, especially as the game kind of wound down and those last 10, 15 minutes or so, maybe you get a guy out of there. You don't want to get him hurt. I mean, in the second half, other than the subs and what we talked about, those couple of yellows, Alex Roldan and Danny Bowanga, that was it. And this was a match where I'll say this LAFC looked outplayed for much of it. But I also think that we allowed Seattle to play their game because we knew what they were going to do. And we did a really good job of of playing to our strengths as well. Look, there are matches, Philly, you and I have talked about it, where we've had 50, 55, 57, 58% possession. That was the number that Seattle had. They were at 57% possession. But none of that mattered because we got just about the same amount of shots on target. We took just about the same amount of regular shots in the game to begin with. And look, our passing accuracy was fine enough. We did everything that we needed to do in order to come away with uh, a point in this match. And I think, look, this match may go down as one of our better played matches of the season, just because I thought coming in, Seattle was the better side, at least in terms of their starting lineup and, and how well they were playing. Uh, I'm happy with the point. I would agree. And yeah, you said it. The shots were there. The shots on target were there. They held on to more possession, but it was for a 0-0 scoreless draw, it had its moments where it, it was exciting. The yeah. fact that we walked out of Lumen Field with a point, awesome. The fact that we walked out of there with a clean sheet, awesome. John McCarthy gets a zero, a nice goose egg under, under that statistical category. But something that I was really impressed with was you didn't really hear much about Jordan Morris throughout the course of the game. 
That is a testament to how well the back line played him, whether it was Palencia on one side or whether it was Cheeky on the other. I mean, they did a good job in stopping Jordan Morris, who at that point coming into this game, Sansa, an unbelievable goal by Tiago Almada for Atlanta United. I mean, he was the leading scorer in Major League Soccer. And our back line shut him down. A well-rested Jordan Morris with three goals on the season, we shut him down. So while we didn't connect and convert, which I'm starting to see somewhat of a trend here, our buildup is great. Our passing is very efficient. We have a lot of attacking threats, whether it's coming from the back or whether it's coming from Denny trying to connect with Mahala or Stipe doing his thing. There's still a lot of bright notes to pick in and out of this game. And the fact that this was our fifth within 15 and for us to walk out of a massively hostile territory with one point, huge win, huge win. And it's been kind of odd these last two games because we lost to Alajuelense, but we advanced, so we were celebrating a 2-1 to loss, really, at that point. And now <laughs> yeah. we're celebrating a 0-0 zero to zero tie, which is unlike LAFC in, in the grand scheme of things. But that's fine. As a result of that yesterday's match, we're 6-5-4 and all-time against the Sounders. That's all right. Obviously, we said it earlier. We alluded to it a couple of times. One of the premier franchises within this beautiful league of ours called Major League Soccer we uh we have a winning record against them. I'm I'm yeah. happy with the with the uh, with the result. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I you, you mentioned it. I said it at the top of the of the show. Uh, this is the club that I think we should be using as our measuring stick. Giggity. And uh, I think that we did quite well in this match. Now that you mentioned it, we have a winning record against them as well. Let's see. Uh, in the table, as of right now in the West, what the hell is going on in St. Louis? Good Lord. First ever expansion club to go 4-0-0 to start the season. They are on fire in St. Louis right now. Uh, they're 12 points uh, out of a possible 12 through the first four matches. So we currently now sit second in the West, but tied on points with Seattle, Dallas, and Minnesota United. Unreal in St. Louis and if you're looking at the Supporters' Shield race right now, we are currently tied for fifth in the race behind, of course, St. Louis. You mentioned Tiago Almada, Atlanta. Looks like they're Atlanta all over again. Once they got Joseph Martinez out of there, now they're playing a lot better. Uh, the New England Revolution, also ahead of us on points. And FC Cincinnati. But our points per game right now put us third. And Philly... I'm not looking forward to this next stretch, man. We just did this, and now we're going to be doing it again. First of all, we get to welcome back Sebastian Ibiaga, FC Dallas, coming here Saturday, March 25th. Mark your calendars for that one. We're back at BMO. And <laughs> thank God it's Saturday, by the way. What's that? Thank God it's a Saturday. Yeah, thank God it's a Saturday. Uh, Sebastian Ibiaga will be getting his ring, so that's kind of neat. We'll get to celebrate Sebastian and then Philly, stop me if you've heard this before. Five games in 15 days to begin April. April 1st at Colorado. April 5th at Vancouver Champions League. April 8th, home to Austin. April 11th, home to Vancouver Champions League. And April 16th, we end this five-game and 15-day gauntlet at Carson. <laughs> no, it's it's a crazy stretch. It's it's a lot of activity. It's there's going to be a lot of fatigued players, <laughs> and just by hearing this, I would say several fatigued podcasters as well. That's <laughs> that's an awful lot of action in a relatively short period of time. 
And just when we go on a see a regular season long break, then we have this, this, this Campiones cup, uh, this other, this other tournament that we have going on. It's yeah, we, we, we have a lot to do this season. And obviously for a team that wants to focus on winning several titles, uh, we, we have to grow accustomed to playing a lot. We have to grow accustomed to the fact that minutes will have to be shared. We're going to have to grow accustomed to the fact that we're going to see possibly some more injuries. I hope not, but we've got a lot of stuff ahead of us. But thankfully, only one more short week before we get to get reunited at BMO Stadium. And one thing I did want to point out to y'all, if you don't know this, hear, hear me out on this. We haven't really had a tailgate on Christmas Tree Lane because the grass has been... Well, they're they're working it. They're looking to fix it. I mentioned it during the last show. Get out to Christmas Tree Lane. Hang out with the different SGs, the supporters, everybody out there, because that's that's the heartbeat of the club. Uh, unlike down the one ten, our supporters are respected. Ouch, that's a hot take. <laughs> but the uh, the thing that's kind of different right now is the fields is open ninety minutes before the match, or so maybe two hours before. And then it's open a good 90 or so minutes at the conclusion of the game. They're clearly working things out with Legends, who owns that space. So if you're you're running around, make sure you just pop in to the fields. The more people that go there, the more people that show up, the more people that buy a beer or a pizza or a smash burger or whatever, that's going to give us the possibility to have that space open longer. Now, while you might enjoy tailgating on Christmas Tree Lane, which obviously we do as well, we've, we go to as many as we can and we have our tent at as many as we can. There's nothing normally going on at the conclusion of the game. So the opportunity to know that we can have 90 minutes or so, whether we go up to Sunset or whether we go down in the fields where everybody can hang out and have a good time, make sure you go out there and check it out. I hope this continues to run. My fingers are crossed that maybe free play can be extended onto that um, – to that thing and then maybe we could go back and get reunited with our former favorite beverage the official drink of defenders of the bank the julius pepper shot so make sure you check out the fields you don't do it before the game stick around for a drink or two after the game Uh, look it any way we can get the julius peppers back in our lives is a good thing so please head on over to the fields Maybe we'll even see a a game or a post game at free play before the end of this season is up. I mean, that would be incredible. Philly, uh, 53 minutes. We did pretty well on this one, my friend. I would say so. Uh, A lot of it is because we're fatigued from throwing a party for you, my friend. You had a very special person that wished you a happy birthday, courtesy of another very special person who made that happen. I'm not going to mention who, what, when. I uh, Oh, I'll absolutely mention it. Uh, I'll talk about it. I mean, I don't know who made it. I don't know who made it happen. Oh, okay. I mean, you do, but we don't want to mention his name. We want to blow up his spot, blow up his cover. But thank you to the individual that made this happen. Scarf, your birthday. Who wished you a happy birthday? Let me tell you, I was almost in tears. I got a birthday message from none other than Giorgio Chiellini. I mean, that was that was it. That's look, I, I appreciate every single one of you for showing up or the the text messages, the Instagram messages, everything on social media. I appreciate every single one of you guys so, so much, but that was my favorite part. Sorry. <laughs> I, I love everything that, that Nina and you guys did and my parents and every, I, I got a birthday message from Giorgio Chiellini. I'm good. That's it. I, I can go I should post it. I, I can go 40 more years and, and then, you know, I'll, I'll have another birthday message from Giorgio for my 80th. But other than that, Absolutely incredible, you guys. Again, thank you all. 
so, so, so much. Philly, I think we're ready to get out of here. What do you think? Yeah, I would say so. All right, Philly, you got an Empire Strikers game starting in 12 minutes. You got Indiana Hoosiers tipping off in about 45 minutes. Uh, good luck with the rest of your sporting weekend. I'm going to go take a nap now. Yeah, deser- deservedly so, my friend. Happy birthday. Folks, make sure to DM the scarf. Wish him a happy birthday. I may post his Venmo account on there if you want to buy him a beer or maybe those proceeds can go to the Mauricio. Uh, I was going to say, court. if you are at all thinking about doing anything like that out there, guys, go to LAFC.com backslash Mo hyphen Facio and make sure you, you can make a donation in my name. You can make a donation in Mo's name. Look, it's it's the 20th is the anniversary of his passing. That's also my birthday. So look, if you got an extra 20 lying around, I, I know a lot of people don't, but if you do, Make that donation. Donate $20. You can do it in, in my name and Mo's name and whoever's name you want. Do it with someone else that you're thinking about tomorrow. Whatever you're going to do, lafc.com backslash Mo hyphen Facio. And you know how we like to end all of our episodes, you guys. 237 in the books. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.